Well, that's nice. Ah, just make sure she doesn't run away. <laughs> anyway, this man's walking along the Golden Gate Bridge. He sees another man. He's about to jump over the edge, commit suicide. And he stops him quickly and he says, Hey, 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 surely it can't be that bad. You must know that God loves you. And the man about to jump over the bridge got a tear in his eye and he said, Are you a Jew or a Hindu or a Muslim or a Christian? And the, the man who stopped him said, I'm a Christian. Me too! Are you Protestant or Catholic? I'm, I'm Protestant. Me too! What, what franchise? I'm, I'm Baptist. Wow, so am I! Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? I'm, I'm Northern Baptist. That's a miracle. I am too. Are you Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? Well, I'm, I'm Northern Conservative Baptist. Me too! Are you Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist or Northern Conservative Reformed Baptist? I'm, I'm Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist. Uh, Carl Ripley. Me too! Are you Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Eastern Region? I'm Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region. Well, so am I! Are you the Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1897 or the Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? I'm the Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912! And the guy said, Die, heretic! and threw him off the bridge. <laughs> I read that and I thought, wow, I like that. Only in America, except maybe not. I think that would have gone down quite well, quite opposite in the church in Corinth. Let's pray. Lord, so often we are so stupid in the things that we allow to divide us. Lord, I pray that you would unite us. Lord Jesus, you prayed that the church would be one. And really, we should be on our knees given the state of your church across the world. And even in the congregations, Lord, so often, not at the moment, Lord, but there do come times when we fracture and divide and we isolate others because of our opinion. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to, to serve you faithfully to keep you at the center of our lives. Jesus, please open our eyes and our ears to you. Spirit, fill each one of us afresh this morning. Speak even through these lips. Amen. Last week, Paul started his letter to the, the fantastically got-it-together church of the Corinthians. You remember the Corinthian church? Um, we all know the most marvelous. If you want to find the best church ever in all of history, go to Corinth. It was just one of those places where you'd have Lord's Supper, and, and it wouldn't just be a little bit of bread and a little bit of wine, but you'd have a meal. Uh, and if you were wealthy, you'd have a great meal. Well, ignore if you were unwealthy, then you probably would get nothing. One of those places where, where the church seemed to be together and, and the Spirit was moving in just amazing ways. And, and Paul last week was just thanking God for what God was doing there. And yet the people using those same gifts of the Spirit meant to edify and build up the church. 
to instead say, well, I'm so much better than you. I speak in tongues, all you do is prophesy. Or similar. This is, this is if you want, the, the church that we would have a look at and say, this church is heading in a horrible direction. And yet last week, Paul said, thank you so much, God, our Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, because, because this church, this church is perfect in as much as you have given it everything it needs. And it is perfect when you look at it, Father, through your Son. And we saw that that is the same for us today. And, and now Paul gets into the nitty-gritty of what is happening now in the church in Corinth. And, and it's a good time for us to be looking at the passage about divisions and following certain leaders and cliques because I don't think it's happening at the moment. If it is, nobody's told me and I feel left out. Don't form a clique against me. It's a good time to look at these things now before it happens so that we can proactively stop it. It's happened to us in the past, hasn't it? It's happened not that, not that far past either. So let us, let us be forewarned and forearmed. So what have we got here? We've got the church of Corinth being divided into these cliques where people are choosing which leader they're going to follow. And, and Paul starts his, his letter proper. I'm looking for 1 Corinthians near Amos for some reason. And this is your Bible, by the way. <laughs> I have one that is identical. Oh, that would probably be why I've got one that's identical. Bear with me while I find it's even got a sticky label saying 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 to 17. So here we are. Chapter 1, verses 10 to 17. Paul gets down to the nitty-gritty and he starts with an appeal to the Corinthians. And he says to them in verse 10 there, I appeal to you, my dear brothers and my sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, but be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Be of one mind. Speak the same thing. Think the same thing. Be, be perfectly united. This, this word for perfectly united is, is the same word that you use in the Gospels for mending a net. So when the net is broken, you mend it and you make it perfect. You make it whole. You make it complete and and, and Paul is just saying to them, come on, let's, let's be what we should be. Let's mend this rift that has happened. Perhaps be, be united in mind. Focus on the things that you, that you think. Um, in your thoughts, be, be focused on, on, on the opinions that really matter. But instead, and we're going to see what those are, but instead they're focused on the party line. We've got a, a, a friend who works for the Australian Christian Lobby, which is very interesting. But I, I actually have a bit of a problem with people coming into the church and saying, vote this person, vote that person. Um, and I have a problem because when you bring, if you don't do this, you are not a true Christian, 
And our friend doesn't do that, but, but there's always a danger of it being interpreted that way. Then, oh, you, you get divisions. And you get clicks. And that, that's exactly what, what is happening here. You've got people who are saying, unless you follow the way of Apollos, thou art not a true and accurate Christian. All we know is that there's this lady called Chloe, probably quite wealthy because she's got people traveling between Corinth and Ephesus, which is where Paul is as he writes this letter to the Corinthians. Chloe's people arrive and they say to Paul, Paul, mate, that church that you founded, it was going so well. You were there for 18 months. Have you heard what's happening? It's like three quarters of the people think that you're a rubbish teacher. Think about that, actually. There's four groups mentioned. Three quarters of them don't support Paul. Paul, have you heard what is happening in Corinth? The church is divided. Okay, it's not, it's not too bad. There's still one church. They're still meeting together for communion. They, they're still gathered together as one. But it, it might be, if you've got your bulletin, who's got a bulletin? If you look on the back of your bulletin, there's a picture of a church. And, and I think that's probably the kind of thing that you would have had if they had pews back in Corinth. You've got a group sitting here. And, and by the way, we've got this. We've got a group sitting here. We've got a group sitting here. We've got, boy, boy you two, sit, I don't know what you've done, but you're sitting right at the back by yourselves. And these guys are over here in the sin bin. So we've got, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Peter. I'm the Christian. And all of you are wrong, says Paul. Yes, you're all Christians, but we'll come to what that means in a second. You see what they were doing? They were focusing on their favorite teacher. And it's pretty clear that, that if, you, if you read through Acts 17, 18, where we hear about Apollos, Paul's actually the one that sends him to Corinth. There's no disagreement with them in their teaching. Peter and Paul... There's no disagreement with them in the teaching. Yeah, sometimes they have arguments and, and then they work it out together like, like what to eat and what not to eat. But, but hey, they sort it out. And I don't think there's any disagreements between Christ and what Paul was saying about him and what Peter was saying about him and what Apollos was saying about him. It's quite possible that that what was happening is that the people were just going, I prefer X. And it, it's human nature to, to compare teachers, isn't it? And, and these days, you can go on the internet. I don't know what you guys are doing sitting here listening to me. Because you can jump on the internet and you can listen to the world's best practice sermons right here today. And... I have, in the past, uh, years ago, like four or five years ago, had somebody come to me and say, Oh, Nicholas, have you heard? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, he's so good. Oh, I think you should preach something like that, Nick. 
And it was fine. I, I'm, I'm happy to have that. But, but it's so easy to slip from, why don't we take something from that into, you're not like that. I don't like you. I'm going to stick here. I'm going to stick here. Oh, no, I, I like this teaching. Rob Bell teaches that there is no hell. I like Rob Bell, so I'm going to sit over here. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. I, I prefer John Piper because he is just so reformed and it's, wow! No, 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 no. I hope you know who John Piper is, by the way. He's got some good stuff to say. Some rubbish, but some good stuff. Everyone's like that. Rick Warren. Do you know Rick Warren? Yeah. He's so, Okay. Rick Warren, John Piper, Rick Warren are huge megachurch pastors in America. One is very on the reformed side, John Piper. Rick Warren is the guy who's got Saddleback Church. He's just do what it takes to get people into the, into the kingdom of God. And normally you'd never have these two people sitting at the same table. It's just, they're, they're on not opposite ends of the theological spectrum, but, but they're not in the same... They're not in the same denomination, for goodness sake. One's a Baptist, one's a Presbyterian. You figure out which is which. I like you, Debbie. I like your statement there. Because you know what Paul says? Paul says, so. So. See, it's, for Paul, it's, 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 not, it's not the teaching of these different parties that's a bother for him. It's, it's the saying... Why is there partisanship? Why are there parties in the church? And I like Paul because even those who are pandering to his own ego, who are the Paulites? You guys at the back there. Paul looks at you and he says, hey, even you guys who seem to be pushing me up, stop it. I don't want any of that. And... and there are bound to be different emphases in the church. This, this is what happens. If we decide that we want to focus on, on one thing in particular, the truth of who God is is massive. Yeah? Massive. And, and if we, if at the moment we're focusing on, on teaching this aspect of the truth, chances are, as we highlight this, there will be some shadows forming over here. And somebody else will be highlighting this and there'll be some shadows forming over here. It's not a, it's not a problem to have different emphases. The problem is, is if the spotlight's over there, pointing somewhere totally else. That's, that's where the problem comes in. Or else the problem also comes in when you so focus on one aspect of the truth that you deny the truth of anything outside of where your spotlight is. It's very sad, and I've seen it happen. And I think most churches are probably guilty of this to some degree or another. In the past, Baptist churches have been, unless you are baptized in this mode, you are not a Christian. We know better than God, maybe. I don't know. By the way, Baptism is really important. If you haven't got baptized, get baptized. Paul, Paul says later on in this passage, I'm so thankful to God that I baptized only like three or four people. But he goes on to say, hey, but your baptism is really important. 
because it's your baptism that teaches you about who you are in Jesus. We're going to come to that. Sorry, I got sidetracked there. Um, so we've got in the Corinthian church these splinter groups, and, and each group has actually taken their eyes off of Jesus and focused on a person. And it's really quite sad because in, I think this is written about 40, 50 A.D., in 95 A.D., Clement of Rome, one of the early church fathers, wrote a letter to the Corinthians, and guess what he spoke about? There's three factions in the church 40, 50 years later, those who follow Paul, those who follow Peter, those who follow Apollos. Isn't that just sad? Paul writes this letter, and 40, 50 years later, they've got the same problem. The only group that's not mentioned 40, 50 years later is the I'm follow Christ group. And as we'll see, I reckon it's probably because they've gone and started their own church. We'll come to that. What is these groups? We've got the Paul group. The Paul group, these are the guys probably who were converted by Paul. These are the founding members of the church. Paul has done so much for me because he introduced me to Christ. And so whatever Paul says or whatever you say Paul says, I will go along with that. The founding members. This is the way we've always done it. And if you don't do it our way, well, you are a latecomer, aren't you? You've got the Apollos party. Apollos came from Alexandria in Egypt, which was the center of learning and teaching and just the university city of the ancient world. And we're told in Acts that he's actually a very, very eloquent man. He's able to refute the Jews. He, he greatly encourages, um, says Luke in, in Acts 18 uh, or 16, he greatly encourages those uh, in the church in Corinth. Um, let me just get you that exact reference. Uh, Acts 18.17, Paulus greatly helped those who through grace had believed. Here is a man who is a charismatic preacher. He's just, he's got it down, and he can go and he can, wow, he can speak the gospel with a booming voice like that, and everyone hears him. And, and you can understand people go, oh, Apollos is so great. I want to listen to him. I want to follow Apollos because he sounds really good. Then you've got the Peter party, and we don't know whether Peter actually arrived in Corinth or whether it's a group of people. This is probably the, the Jewish party. Um, people often sort of would have tacked on Peter's name and said, we follow Peter uh, because we're the Jews. Lots of Jewish people in Corinth became Christians. Possibly two synagogue rulers in, in a row. Um, wouldn't it have been tempting for them to, to slip back into the legalism of doing stuff? Maybe a corrupt report of what happened with Peter where he stopped eating with the Gentiles, leaving out the bit where he said, oops, near culpa, and started eating with them again. That's the Peter group. And then we have the Christ group. Now, let's be honest, which of you guys reading this go, okay, so some of you say I follow Paul, some of you say I follow Apollos, some of you say I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ, and you go, yep, yep, last one, last, I, I follow only Christ. It sounds like the right answer, doesn't it? Who do you follow? I follow only Christ. 
Sounds like a good answer. It's not. It's not a good answer. You see, this is, this is the group. Paul includes it in the people that he speaks of who are fracturing the church. The Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit of unity. This is a group who's usually got that sense of spiritual superiority. Um, how easy is it to cope with a comment with, thank you for your input. Now, now let me tell you what the Lord says. I think it's an interesting, I, I said, I reckon they're not mentioned by Clement of Alexandria in 95 AD because they've probably gone and started their own church. These are the people who say, well, I think everyone's got it wrong and I've got it all right and I've got a direct line to God and I don't really need you to tell me or to justify or to encourage me or anything like that. So we'll go and start our own church and do what we think is right because we've got a hotline to God and you guys obviously don't. Do you get the kind of people that we're talking about here? The kind of... The kind of people that feel that the average church isn't spiritual enough. And I think the, the key word there is the I follow only Christ. That's that anti-authoritarianism kind of thing. I don't need no stinking Paul. I don't need no stinking Peter. I don't need the wisdom of the apostles. I don't need the wisdom of the Old Testament maybe. I just need God's mysterious revelation to me. You see what the problem is here? Here is the view of Christianity, and each one's got a spotlight there, there, there. Of course we need God's mysterious revelation to us. But of course we need Peter's emphasis, maybe, on, on, on the, the, the historical Jesus and, and on how God has brought all the promises true in Jesus. And of course we need the, 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 the logic and the precision of Apollos and the and the, the learning of the apostles, And of course we need the Paul with the fervor and the evangelism and the powerful presence of the Spirit as he preaches. Of course we need all of these things and instead each one is saying, I don't need you. I don't need you. And Paul says there in verse 13, he says, well what are you guys thinking? Do you think that Christ can be divided? It can't work like that. It's like, have you ever been to, to uh, someone's home and they say to you, please take your shoes off first? It's like going to church and saying, please take your legs off before you come in. It just doesn't work. Christ cannot be divided. If we have Christ, we have all of Him. If we have Jesus... We have all of him. And by the way, this, is, this actually shows up a bit of the silliness of saying, I want more of Jesus. You can't have more than 100%. And what we should be saying is, Jesus, have more of me. Because let's be honest, Jesus is the perfect one. Jesus is, I mean, he's, 
He's the one who's perfectly united with the Father and calls us into perfect union with Him. Jesus is perfect. We are the ones who are divided and fractured and broken. And we need to be saying, Jesus, have more of us. Jesus, unite more of us. Jesus, join us. And we're the disintegrated ones who by grace Jesus is slowly putting back piece by piece. Paul says, guys, can Christ be divided? Think about the cross of Christ. Was Paul crucified for you? Nobody but Jesus can redeem you, says Paul. It's only the blood of Jesus that can save. Who are you really indebted to? Says Paul. I mean, think about it. The one who saved you is not Apollos, is not Peter, is not Paul. The one who saved you is Jesus Christ. And whenever Christians give their allegiance to anyone other than Christ, and it's such a slippery slope, then there will be disunity. And it's, it's an important debate, but for example, the, the Calvinist-Dominion debate. Okay, fine, let's debate it. Let's come to our own decision. But, but how often have, have you not? You all know what the Calvinist-Dominion debate is, I take it. Do you want to share for us, Greg? <laughs> Calvinists are, are very much the sovereignty of God above all things. Um, those whom God will save, God will save. Preservation of believers. Arminians are more the case of, well, we have free will as well. And so God has chosen us, but we are to choose him. And, and you know what? Both have something fantastic to say, but... But so often you listen to these conversations and it ends up with, how dare you? The Calvinists say, how dare you stand against the sovereignty of God? And the Arminians turn around and say, how dare you stand against the power of God? You see what they've done? Instead of looking at Jesus and saying, wow, Jesus has saved us, they go, wow, this guy over here has got a really good theology about how Jesus has saved us. That's just one debate. There's so many of them. Yeah, one of the reasons we celebrate communion regularly is, is that we all come together and say, hey, you know what? We're all mucked up and broken. I read a passage last night. We have this treasure in clay jars to show that this power is from God and not from us. <laughs> That's the picture on your bulletin cover as well. It says, Paul, Christ is not divided. Stop looking at people and look at Jesus instead. And by the way, look at the real Jesus, the Jesus crucified, not just your idea of what Jesus is. Remember who you owe your allegiance to. Were you baptized into Paul? If you were baptized into the name of someone, you were giving your life over to that person. You were committing to follow them. That, that's what baptism means. 
It means saying, I publicly say that from this point forward, I will follow Jesus and I will be his disciple and I will disciple someone else. That's what it means. And it's, I mean, Paul's a very clever guy because he knew already at the start not to baptize people because he thought they're going to get into a huff about who baptized them. Got other people to baptize them. Get someone lowly to baptize you, for goodness sake. Because I think it's you, Joan. Can I share your story? I, I don't know if it's the person who baptized you or brought you to Christ or someone who later on turned away from the faith. Mainly to do. That doesn't. Paul looks at that and says, Yes, so. Not the person who converted you that makes you a Christian. It's Jesus who makes you a Christian. Not the person who dunks you who makes you a Christian. It's Jesus who makes you a Christian. It's not whether Paul put your head under water and lifted you up. It's about whether God is going to raise you up forever. And Paul says to them, yeah, you know what? Baptism's so important. I'm going to speak about it later in my letter to you guys. But, but hey, hey, for me and for all the apostles, what's important is preaching the gospel because that is where our focus needs to be. Yeah, I've heard these rumors about divisions and cliques and, well, I follow you and I follow you and I follow you. But, but the antidote to that is to look to Jesus Christ who cannot be divided, who, who is the Lord of all whose cross stands as the one thing that has redeemed us. And as soon as we look away from that, says Paul, the cross is emptied of its power. Let's finish with a with a situational idea. Imagine you and I are in a really big fight about theology, maybe, or about what songs we're going to sing in church. Mark, are we going to sing hymns or are we going to sing the choruses? I say choruses. You say more choruses. or about whether we're going to run Sunday school or not, or whether we're going to have a carol service or not. Any, we're, we're just having a big fight, and Bob Joe over here says this, and I say the other thing. And the tensions are high, and you're looking at me going, I always knew this guy was dodgy. And I'm looking at you going, boy, now all your godlessness is coming to the front. And suddenly Jesus appears in front of us. <laughs> and he looks at you and he says, you love me? And you go, yes. And he looks at me and he goes, do you love me? Yes. And for goodness sake, for my sake, fix this relationship. Yeah, he gives us the grace that we need. He gives us the patience that we need. Um, 
sometimes the patience to forgive. He, he sometimes helps us to have perspective. But if we really love Jesus, doesn't the Bible tell us that we cannot say in one breath we love God and yet hate our neighbor? We cannot say at one breath that we love God and then make sure we sit as far away from this person over here as we can. Don't throw people off the Golden Gate Bridge. Amen.